0: Alright, welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the latest episode of uh, things that Manny likes to talk about. Um, I just finished eating dinner and I have written up a, a, a mediocre-ass script and we'll just go ahead with it for tonight. Um, this one's going to be more about, just focus you around a topic that I, or well, a thing that I really like and then we're going to kind of extrapolate it from there. So yeah, anyway, um, just kind of start off, I think... I want to just establish the fact that I watch a lot of anime, and um, I think this is pretty like common knowledge at this point, but um, if it's not, now you know. I watch a lot of anime. Um, by a lot, I don't mean like anime YouTuber a lot, but like I have a weekly schedule of anime that I watch. So like how we take it from there is it has had a very important you know, role in my life in terms of helping me understand certain themes, helping me cope with certain things in life, helping me, you know, take away certain things from that media, and also be aware of things that I never thought I would be aware of, um, that are, you know, controversial in nature, that are historical in nature, that are confusing in nature, that are relatable in nature at times, all those are mutually exclusive, of course, but sometimes they overlap, Um, and yeah, I think the, the the kind of one staple that I really want to talk about and when it comes to anime, and I think a lot of people know this uh, movie. This was um, Kimi no Nawa by Makoto Shinkai. Um, that was quite a phenomenon when it came out. And um, the English name for the movie is Your Name. I'll interchange the names in the middle. Um, but yeah, that movie... Um, is one of many great Shinkai works, um, that have come out, um, including like five centimeters per second and garden Words, um, and recently weathering with you. And then there was a more latest one that I don't remember the name of exactly. And I don't want to butcher the pronunciation. So we'll just keep it out of that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting to see this film because i didn't know what it was about at all going into it i kind of stuck away from the trailers and just kind of i watched the the japanese trailer with any subtitles so i was just like visually stunned to watch the movie and excited so i think that's where my kind of excitement for this movie stemmed from and then yeah i was i think it was 29 18 19 that this movie came out and um i could be horribly off um but yeah i had just moved In college, I was studying graphic design, and yeah, this movie was something that I really wanted to see for a long, long time, and yeah, I just watched it, and I was pretty astounded by, you know, the depth, the breadth, and the beauty of the work itself. Of course, there are certain things that can be slightly, uh, you know, critiqued about the movie at the same time, but today we won't get into those, maybe at a later date, Um, yes, just to kind of give a synopsis of the movie itself, um, there's a male protagonist and a female protagonist, um, Mitsuha and Taki, um, not respectively, they're the other way around, um, and yeah, they basically exchange, like, bodies, um, whenever they sleep at random, um and mitsuha is located in a like a remote town or like a remote yeah like a remote town in the in the hills um it's called itomori which is actually based off like a real life um city that is like a volcanic crater um and taki is a kid in um tokyo um and yeah so how their lives kind of intertwine and how they get to live the different lives um, through living like each other, through living in each other's bodies, and it's kind there's humor involved in it, and, and over time they fall in love, but things happen, and it's not possible for that to like come to fruition, or so we think, vice versa. Um, so yeah, I think kind of obviously spoiler alert for the movie here because I'm just gonna after the synopsis I'm gonna start discussing the movie properly. So there's some clear. There's going to be a lot of, like, spoilers for the movie. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you go watch it, even if you don't think, like, romance is your thing. Just because there's a lot more to that movie just than romance. There's so many themes that are, like, beyond that. There's the theme of tradition versus modernity. There's a theme of time. There's a theme of destruction. There's a theme of regret. There's a theme of second chances, which I think a lot of us can relate to. A theme of memory and how that affects Um, our perception of the world like when you think about it like for example when you think about it whose memories are they really when those two exchange bodies like the two protagonists they exchange bodies and they live each other's lives whose memories are being made there is it the mind or is it the body that experiences the memory because there's two ways like you know memory like you've got muscle memory and you've got like reactionary memory and you've got like a lot of different kinds of memory that kind of make up who you are so are those people suddenly becoming one person, or are they just experiencing solely based off of individual experiences? What, like, that? it kind of delves with that, and it kind of, it goes way beyond just, like, a classic, like, oh, guy likes girl, and then he finds her. Um, there's a heavy element of that, which I kind of don't like at the end of the day, because it's overdone, but I think that's the way it's done is what's beautiful about the movie itself. But yeah, when you go back, when I go back to, like, the idea of tradition versus modernity, when we're, introduced to mitsuha she is established as someone who lives in a remote town and she's from a family that's been practicing a tradition for hundreds of years called like a braiding cords and creating kuchikamisake, i think kuchi kuchikamizake yeah Kuchikamisake. um that is a um like a alcoholic be- beverage that is made from chewing on rice and then spitting it out and letting it ferment um, in, like, a little box, and it's, like, offered to the gods, essentially, um, as an offering. And, yeah, I think that, that, this, the strength of, like, tradition in the first bit of the movie is super important, because it establishes the stark contrast that the city life that Taki has, and it's very interesting, because there's no tradition in his life whatsoever. He is living with his father, um, and his mother's never actually shown um he's living with his father and he's going to school in um tokyo and he's you know working a job at like as a waiter um and he kind of just he doesn't have like this sense of tradition so he gets to experience that through mitsuha's body and mitsuha on the other hand longs to go to the city and she gets to experience that through his body and obviously, once they establish the fact that this is happening, there's like a whole song done by um, Rad Wimps, uh, by the way, fantastic music in this movie as well. That's one reason we'll watch it too. Um, but yeah, so... And I think the Blu-ray 4K is out, so worth buying. Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of takes that the grass is greener on the other side theme and kind of mashes that together as we get to see them both interact with each other's lives. And obviously, like... When, when Mitsuha is inside taki's body um, she has certain feminine traits and whereas um, when Mitsuha is occupied by taki's body um, there are certain masculine traits that are um, being shown there it's just it's like a completely different way of animating the person and they really show that um, through like the craft that the animators have put into it because taki walks differently and I think more than calling it out for being, sorry, more than calling it out for being super, you know, stereotypical, I think it's important to take away that it is probably more enlightening to see that person, like in a male body being animated in a female way and just notice the tropes that, that, we see in our everyday anime, like we watch a lot, like people who watch a lot of anime would like subconsciously not realize sometimes that like females are animated in a cutesy specific way. And when you see Taki act that way, as like slightly more feminine um, according to, um, in, in the context of this movie, of course, um, feminine, like being feminine can be defined in multiple ways and they don't have to confine to this movie. But for the sake of this movie, understanding the stereotypes that are put into animation and... um just cultures in general it's 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 such a like in like awakening thing like a woke thing woke eh, is a weird word to say here but it's 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 a really fresh thing to see because it puts it into a different perspective Taki does like little like cute like um leg movements and like he he looks kind of shy and he's got like constant um like blush marks on his face the whole time when Mitsuha's in his body um and then on the other hand um Mitsuha who in like when occupied by Taki's body acts really brash and acts really like doesn't really care about what she looks like um while doing anything and that's that's really shown with Mitsuha's hair which is super important um there's a tradition like she has this like daily tradition of like braiding her hair um, which he doesn't do because he doesn't know how to braid hair. And they're, okay, they're, they're of course, like, coming-of-age young adults. So there's also that, like, element of, like, innocence built into this um, movie at the same time. So, like, he kind of doesn't understand the things that women go through every day. Or things that he has to worry about. Because he doesn't face the repercussions of being um, particularly masculine in, in the movie. Like, he, he never faces that because when Mitsuha wakes up in her own body, suddenly the next day she's like, oh, fuck, what did you do? Why did you kick over this desk? Why were you playing basketball? Um, and all those things, like, it's it really highlights the, like, the struggles that people go through just to find themselves, like, in our lives, like, in, in the real world, like, you know. People are shunned for not acting a specific way and not acting within certain stereotypes. And a lot of people don't realize that they're enforcing stereotypes on other people. So it's kind of enlightening to see these things being animated because it really sticks out in that moment, and they really build into the idea of what it means to be masculine versus what it means to be feminine, and what whatever lies in like um, whatever lies in the space that those two interact in. So. And at the end of the day, like, the takeaway there is that it doesn't, like, matter if you're specifically, like, masculine or, like, specifically feminine. It's just who you are that's what matters. Are you a genuine person? Because at the end of the day, when the movie concludes, you realize that both of them are just genuine people. Um, It's just that the animation and the story shows the struggles of people in an attempt to find themselves. Um, Like, you're not confined to your body's to the way you are essentially um and this is what a lot of trans people face nowadays um like you're not confined to what your body is you can be more than that you can be whatever you want to be as long as you you know embrace who you are as a person um and I think that 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 message is like it's it's very it's it's subtly put in there mainly because of you know um it it is quite a heavy topic. Um, so it's kind of subtly put in there, but if you have the eye to notice it, you will notice it. Um, and if you don't have the eye to notice it, I would highly recommend looking out for certain things like that in a movie. Um, yeah, I think moving on from like... So that that is like, you know, that's a, like a traditional way of um, kind of animating masculine characters versus feminine characters. I mean, that has changed a lot recently. Um, but, and that's what brings us to the modernity, like... You know, in modern times, we are more open and willing to accept people that, you know, want to act the way that they want to act as long as they're not hurting someone or, you know, causing problems for anybody else. Um, And it's also not our place to judge them in the first place. I think that's also what is shown in this movie a lot. And from, like, time after time. And speaking of time, I think it's—that was a fantastic segue. Um, I just fumbled at the beginning, but um, time after time— you see that time also plays an important role in this. Because nowhere in the movie, it is ever hinted until the climax. or well not the climax. The, the peak of the action. That, actually, Taki and Mitsuha have been exchanging bodies from three... Like, so Mitsuha is actually three years behind Taki. We thought the whole time that they were just exchanging bodies in, while it being in the present. But actually, Taki was the one in the future... And Mitsuha was the one in the past. So Taki was traveling back in time and Mitsuha was traveling forward in time whenever they exchanged bodies. And this was really interesting. Because there was no fucking way anybody could have figured this out. And this this but there were always subtle hints to that. Like, like the way just things looked, the way people dressed. And it was just like very interesting to see as a whole, like how that fact was hidden until it was required to know. And that's what I think Shinkai does really well. He only tells his audience what they need to know until the very point that they need to know everything, and then when you know everything, it's like, oh shit, everything makes sense now, like that kind of um, comes through. And then time is all like definitely paid a like a huge factor in this because there's time travel, but not time, like not explicit time travel, but is the ability to change the flow of time, and that's where that red thread comes in, which I will delve deeper into later in the lore of it. Or, well, the history of that and how that ties into different cultures in East Asia. Um, But, yeah, through that time, it links to a lot of second chances. And, as you know, um, spoiler alert, the meteor that hits Itomori, it just wipes out the entire town and kills the entire population. Um, But, Taki is able to go back and and, like, warn Mitsuha about the meteor that's coming in. And I think it's important to notice that at this point, the meteor almost becomes a metaphor. And the meteor is a metaphor for how modernity just is watching tradition wipe away, like watching tradition get lost in time. And that's because this is a very important shot in the movie where they see the Taki goes to the roof of his building, which is in Tokyo, and he watches the nucleus of the meteor split and then hit the actual um, town and that town is obliterated entirely in his timeline in, in in his time but he doesn't even remember that like he knows that he's an Itamori. or like he 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 doesn't he never questions what happens to the town or like when he goes back into his own time and it's so important to see that because people just forget about like a lot of people nowadays just forget about big events that happened in the past and they kind of just let that stuff fall away into the busy lives that they live. And that's what happens to, like, people in Tokyo or, like, people in any metropolitan city a lot of the time. Like, unless something is commemorated or, you know, constantly reminded about, you'll forget about what happened Um, or, like, a tragedy that happened in the past and just keep moving forward because life is about moving forward for most of us. But I think what this movie highlights is that sometimes it's even more important to go back in time and learn from something. And that's what the movie kind of concludes at the end because, um, Taki wants to become an architect and he starts making architecture that people can remember even after it's gone. And I think that's such a superly like, that's such a subtly beautiful thing to bring into the movie that Shinkai does at the very end where he's, where, like, Taki's running around applying for jobs as an architect and his main goal is to create architecture that, um, builds memories rather than, you know, buildings, essentially. Um... Because he says we never know when Tokyo might get wiped out, and I think that he, it doesn't really score him any browning points with the people that he's getting interviewed by, but it really gives perspective as to how your thought process can change if you reflect on what happened in the past. And I think that's why it's important to connect with your roots as much as possible in this, um, like that. It, it, it's important to connect with your roots. And that's what makoa, like, shinkai kind of implies the whole time. Like, Mitsuha is someone who's very connected with her roots. She braids the cords. She does the kuchikamisake um, ritual. She dances um, the traditional dance for the gods um, in front of, in, like, in public, in, like, under a shrine, and she visits, like, the underworld, like, in quotes, obviously. Um, she visits the underworld where the gods, like, um, resting place is um, that they offer up the, the kuchikamisake to, and then... It's it's so cool to see that like Mitsu has so connected with her roots that she kind of changes Taki's perspective on life entirely and what his purpose is in this world. And I think that's that's what you know Shinkai is kind of trying to imply with this movie. Understand who you are, understand where you came from, understand the biases that you have, understand the 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 culture that you're a part of. Because if you don't understand that, you won't understand why you do specific things, you know? Like, why does Taki want to hold on to Mitsuha so much? Yes, he loves her, but also he wants to hold on to her because Taki lives that busy city life where he's unable to really hold on to anything. He just kind of lives from day to day to day. And that really shows in the color palette um, of the movie, which is really fantastic because whenever Mitsuha's in the... um, in the frame. And in Tamori everything's bright, green, lovely, beautiful, but like in Tokyo everything's drab as fuck. It's all greys and um like desaturated blues and stuff like that. And only the food um is what kind of you know brings um like brings everything to life, um in that situation. Uh, in tokyo which is just something that anime does anime loves animating food and uh, like anime in general has very good animations for food and i think that's fantastic um and like when you go to itamori when you cut back to the town and the hills um, and the mountains you see that they made a cafe out of logs like just like two logs and they just put it together and put like a table in between those things and they just sit on it and it's next to a vending machine that's in the town and that's a cafe for them and i think that that kind of interesting like it's it's a subtle hint at what, you know, design can be. And I think that's important because that, like, little log structure next to a fucking vending machine that they, that, that like, the village kids, or like the town, like the remote, the rural town, I think, um, call, uh, call a cafe versus what a cafe in Tokyo is. It's like, you know, a cafe in Tokyo, you go in, you go out. Like, it's very capitalistic, corporate. Oh this is true for a lot of cafes in many countries. Um I'm just using Japan because the setting is Japan. Um but like any metropolitan city that you go to a cafe something you walk into get go in and get out. Like that's what Starbucks is. Like you go in, you don't nobody sits at the Starbucks for the vibes. Like I like you either sit there and work on your own work or you never sit and enjoy the connections that you can make while having a coffee a lot of the time because we just live such busy lives in metropolitan cities. And I think it's important to kind of you know hit the brakes a little bit, and that's what they do in that town of Itamori where they put the logs up and make the cafe next to the vending machine. Um, they they highlight how architecture and design can connect people, and simple opportunities and finding opportunities where they don't exist can just bring people together. And those kind like that image, like because oh, um, Taki draws like like um, with a pencil, like all the views that he remembers from um Itomori, like the different shrines and the different buildings that he remembers and the different uh and he draws that cafe because it's had such an impact on him because he felt something different there that's something that you can't feel in like a city so i think shinkai keeps trying to hint at us that let's not forget tradition let's not forget where we came from because there are answers within that tradition and history that we won't find in the modern world sometimes I think this also comes from my, like, idea of design understanding what art history is but, but because, like, art history has always been important to understand why we do the things that we do today. You know, like, the Industrial Age came about and suddenly everything became um, – well, a lot of things became functional rather than oh, – fun- they became function over form, which I think was a valid change for the time. Like, humanity discovered something and they wanted to, you know, mass-produce things and bring them into – like bring them to people that didn't have them but now that everybody has them how can we you know look back at what used to be and you know create something that actually really has an impact um in today's world and yeah that's what um Taki does a lot he draws things from Itamori and then like he takes inspiration from them for architecture Um, and he takes those drawings and puts them on his wall, and, like, it's, like, it's, like, a very artistic, like, designer's desk vibe. Um, he has, like, drawings of Itamori all over the wall, and it's freaking fantastic to see, honestly. Um, they really animate, like, the pencil marks really well and, like, stuff like that. It's just fantastic to see that overall, um, be, like, such a, such a core value to his, um, like, character development throughout the story. Um, yeah, so I had to drink water. Um... Yeah, and then I think judging, you know, linking with the time, with um, memory, and like you know the intertwining of the the two characters that exist, um, you kind of realize that destruction and regret play a really big part in the second half of the movie. Um, yeah, sorry, there was a car outside. Um, but yeah destruction and regret play a super important role in the second half of the movie and it's a perfect flip so like initially we're enjoying like you know two young people you know discovering uh what it means to live in another environment and like it's all happy and jolly and fun but you know there comes a festival and the meteor hits and then suddenly they stop losing bodies and then Taki goes to hunt or like hunt doesn't like find uh Mitsuha And then when he gets to the point, um, you know, when when a local tells him, like, do you not know what happened to the town? And that's how we realized, like, three years ago that the meteor hit was actually what we were seeing in the movie. We just didn't know that they were going back in time. Like, Taki was going back in time into Mitsuha's body. And then just the sheer regret that hits him. And, you know, he thinks all hope is lost. And, like, his, his, like, entire concept of, like, like, love is shattered, because he really, he, 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 you know, he loves Mitsuha, and I think it's important to note that he writes that on her hand, and I love you is not a phrase that, you know, um, in Japan, anyway, like, it's taken lightly. Here, it's just thrown around all the time, but, like, um, in Japan, it's, it's quite a heavy phrase to say to someone, like, it's not used in casual conversation. Um, So, that, that kind of regret not getting to say I love you to her um, ever and always just like, you know, joking around and that kind of builds up in him and when he does get a chance to do it, he writes it on her hand as like a permanent thing to remember him him by and that, that I think that's a very beautiful thing that Shinkai does, like is it, are you trying to you know, when you interact with people you take away what how they make you feel at the end of the day, right? And Mitsuha from that moment took away that she felt loved from taki by taki and then when you read that on the hand um the i love you on the hand i fucking almost cried bro it was wild um and it was it was interesting to me personally um and yeah i took it from there and kind of started to really analyze that that's the moment i started to analyze the movie and i realized that twilight scene really brought about a lot of different emotions that the shinkai tries to put forth for us, um, as, as the viewer of the movie, the, like, a certain, like, list of emotions that I can kind of think of the top of my head, it's, like, feeling a connection, like, losing a connection, the, emo- like, the emotion of being, like, feeling isolated, because Taki goes on his journey on his own to find Mitsuha, um, after a point, and he feels isolated, um, because he's staring out at the destruction, and, like, the nature, and it's, like, unrelentless, like, relentless power, um, like unrelentless power that nature holds and kind of talking that moment when he looks out into, you know, the destroyed town of Itamori, which is like a tradition, like has like a lot of history and tradition in it. You suddenly realize that's how we end up viewing a lot of things that, you know, happen um, when we just forget about tradition. It's just completely wiped um, from generation to generation. Like a lot of things that, you know, your ancestor may have done in the past are now wiped Um, some might have been a good thing, some might have been, you know, some things we can learn from. I think that's also kind of, you know, taking the good out of those um, traditions is also very important that, um, what's it called? Taki really, uh, Taki really kind of hints at, and then Shinkai uses Taki as a way to kind of hint at basically taking out what's important from tradition, um, and, you know, leaving the bad behind, because of course there's not, not all traditions are good. Um... And then, yeah, like, that moment you feel like Taki kind of lose it where they start, like, they kind of just stop showing Mitsuha on screen and all his, like, messages to Mitsuha start disappearing, the diary entries and stuff um, that he has on his phone. They basically leave diary entries for each other whenever they change bodies. Um, And you realize that he took it for granted. He took that interaction for granted. He got captured in a bubble. Uh, Or he got trapped in a bubble, and he was happy in that bubble, she was happy in that bubble, but suddenly, you know, it was all gone, and he realized that he took it for granted, like, what he had, and he wants it back, and he goes to this shrine to drink the kuchikamisake, and then kind of connect, um, he, he, like, and, like, the tradition there is, like, the essence of the person is in that kuchikamisake, because they chew the rice, and then, like, let it out as a pulp, and it ferments. Um, and becomes an alcoholic beverage Um, like the essence of Mitsuha is within that cup of Kuchikamisake that he drinks and then when he drinks that he gets connected to her again and he starts to relive the memories and there's this beautifully animated like sequence of him traveling through time and like witnessing the birth of Mitsuha the the way his like the way her family falls apart um, because her mother passes away Uh, and then like, the, why the father leaves, the, like, he leaves um, tradition behind for politics, which is a super important theme at the same time. How, you know, tradition and politics are always conciding, con- like conflicting because politics are, you know, adhering to the masses in the modern world and, like, they're leaving tradition behind um, a lot of the time. And politics also promise power. At a point in time in, like, the world, traditions, like, people who practice traditional or, like, everyday things were the most powerful, more knowledgeable people, but now politicians can be the most knowledgeable and influential people in the world. So, you know, like, this human chase for power and, hung like, continues to grow. And that's what also, like, the father represents almost, like, you know, the need to be on top. Like, that's what humans always want. Um, and then... Yeah, that taking something for granted also kind of leads to getting lost in the moment, as I hinted before. Like, that that, that feeling, that is a very relatable feeling, because a lot of the times when we have something happy in our life, we really, we get lost in it, because, you know, it makes us feel good. And I think it's important to always remember that whatever makes us feel, like, the good things will always come to an end. That's why they're cherished, and that's why they're good, you know. If good things never ended, then you, will, well, then you just have, like, a very... Then you look for the next best thing. You know, it's just like the, that's that's the chase that humans are always in, looking for the next best thing. But it's also important to slow down and reflect on what you have at that moment. Like, what do you have and how far are you willing to go to keep it in your life? That is another thing that Shinkai really um, brings out in the second half of the movie. Because when you think about it, Taki literally goes takes a train to some rural-ass place, based off of memory, working, like, obviously it's like a scene that's like, it's it's like a sequence of events that, like, is brushed over. Then I think that's something that I think I could have worked a little bit better on. Um, But at the end of the day, it's a young adult romance. You can't have someone, like, you know, crying and screaming constantly, but... Because it can seem whiny almost when it comes from that, like, age of characters. Um, Yeah, so... That, that, like, characters out of that age, it can seem almost whiny. He's like, why the fuck is Taki crying so much about a woman that he couldn't tell that he loved? Um, but, you know, we've all, we've all been through that. Um, and if you haven't yet, um, I hope you, you know, go through it and you get to keep it in your life. But, um, yeah, Taki gets lost in the moment, and then he feels isolated because he loses the one thing that, you know, brought him joy in the world because otherwise he was living a pretty bland life. He was going to school, going home, uh, sorry, going to school, going out after and then going to cafe to work and Then his relationship with his um like senpai didn't work out um which was like someone older that worked at the um ca- at the restaurant um he works at a restaurant around a cafe um and then yeah it's it's kind of interesting to see like how far he goes to find that one thing that truly ended up mattering to him at the very end And that's the thing, like, you have to find that in your life. That's what Taki kind of finds at the end of the day. It's like, what truly matters to you? What is that one core thing that drives you to do something? And for Taki, that was Mitsuha. It doesn't have to be a person, always. Um, Obviously, this is a very heteroromantic, stereotypical relationship. Um, That person can be, you know, your mother, your father, your, you know... Um, teacher you can be you can be what and that person can and that that thing can change too it's not like it can't change and that's really important what they kind of imply in this movie at the same time like change is something that humans just have to adjust to because at the end of the day some like an inevitable event will happen but what is the best thing you can take from it right because the meteor still hits the town at the end of the movie but as seen afterwards what happens is the population survives and five years after the meteors hit the whole population of Itamori has integrated itself into Tokyo and that's what's beautiful about that because they took that tradition and they plugged it into the modern world And they were just fine. Change is something that can be accepted as long as you're willing to give it a chance. Like you can't be stubborn because, you know, time goes on, things evolve, people change. You have to change your mindset about certain things, no matter what you felt about it in the past. And that's something that um, Shinkai really highlights uh, with, you know, showing us mitsuha she's adapted to a life she's you know a grown woman now um after five years of the meteor hitting and surviving she's working i'm pretty sure she has she takes the train to somewhere and that's just like she, she got the life that she wanted in the end but also everybody else in that town got like a different life and you know that meteor hitting is inevitable like tradition and you know history will be lost but it's like how much of that can you preserve because she still wears a braided cord in her hand, uh, in her ha- uh, like in her hair, and that braided cord is so significant to the movie because it, the movie opens with that braided cord as being part of the opening sequence, and that braided cord is something known as like the red string of fate. Uh, it's con- it's like it's it's made with multiple color strings, as shown in the movie, but red is like the primary color in that. And the red string of fate is something that is prominent throughout many cultures. Um, in East Asia or is it Japan and Korea it's but like um, and you know Chinese culture um, but I think it originates from Chinese culture um, and it's been extrapolated um, but the red string of fate itself just implies a connection between two people and that red string of fate will never you're like those two people are connected by destiny and fate so That's another, like, two sets of themes that Shinkai, again, embeds in. This movie is very thematic. Like, it's got so many themes in it. And I think it does get a bit overwhelming after a point. Like, what the fuck is going on kind of movie. Um, But I think that's also the appeal of it, if you can keep track. But yeah, that red string of fate is super important because it it speaks about the destiny between Mitsuha and Taki. And whenever seemingly that destiny is done for... That red string of fate, like, because Taki puts it around his hand, it still, you know, exists. Because Mitsuha, three years ago, in her time, went to meet Taki. But Taki had never exchanged bodies with her at that point, because he was still in the past. So she just gave him that red string of fate. And that kind of idea of giving the other person the red string of fate connected them. And it connected them throughout, like, across time. And they were exchanging, like... Like time isn't like a straight line in this movie. Let's be—it's like a circular thing, um, and those two, the, those two are the people that the time is revolving around. And at the center of that time is the the meteor hitting the town. Put simply, that was not simple at all. But yeah, so yeah, that red kind of like the braided cord is what connects them, and it's present throughout the movie. It's in uh, Mitsuha's hair. It's on Taki's wrist, and you kind of see that connection um be a part of it the whole time um throughout the movie because you see them kind of interact with uh with with that thread in different ways almost like he he gets questioned about the thread and he's like oh someone in the past gave it to me um and he doesn't remember that because you know like a lot of the times and that kind of hints like to the the beautification of tradition almost again that's kind of important like, Taki doesn't know what that braided cord stands for. He just wears it as, like, a bracelet and, like, a good luck charm. Which is kind of an odd thing to turn tradition into, which happens a lot in this world. Like, a lot of bracelets that people wear are not actually just for, you know... Um, they're not accessories. They they have, like, meanings behind them. And they have, like, history and culture embedded in them. But people don't know them. They just look cool. So people wear them a lot of the time. And I think that's something that you know, the movie highlights, too, at the same time. Like, it calls out people that just wear bracelets for the fun of it um obviously you know it depends on the bracelet i'm just saying like there's a lot of traditional bracelets that people wear that a lot of times are commercialized and just sold into the world and they become objects of curiosity more than you know objects of history uh yeah and yeah so those what you notice is that those that that red string is kind of tied in like at least japanese culture it's it's tied to the pinky it's, it's tied between the two pinkies of the people that are connected together and if that doesn't sound familiar that's where um, I'm pretty sure pinky promises um are kind of like hinting at that you know when you make a pinky promise to someone you are like locked in with that person um yeah I think that that's like a very cute like modernization of the tradition of you know again being tied at the pinky and being connected together by fate and destiny which is what pinky promises do like they connect people um and, yeah, so that red string, or, like, the braided cord, we, then, the scenes for the braided cord are absolutely fantastic. Like, the whole time when Mitsuha's making them, you, like, we see the painstaking effort that goes into it, and you learn that Mitsuha's little sister can't do it yet, but it's something that takes time and effort that, you know, the character has to learn. Like, it's not something that you can cut corners with. Um, and you're basically re, you're weaving the flow of time into that braided cord, as the movie suggests, and then once it's handed off, again, it's the idea of embedding your essence into everything that you create in this world. The Kuchikamesake, the braided cord, and a lot of like, and all those things only come from Mitsuha's side, which really talks about, you know, uh, traditional practices, you know, the craft that goes into making something, like one of a kind every time you make it, making things by hand. And I think I'm a culprit of this because I don't draw by things by hand anymore. I'm usually like a digital designer, so that kind of takes away, you know, that movie really helped me reflect on that. Um, But yeah, it's like, and none of that comes from, like none of the things that are unique and interesting or like not interesting, but like unique and, you know, handmade and embedded with culture. None of that comes from Taki's side. It comes from Mitsuha's side. So that kind of like, exchange happens where it goes into the modern world and just becomes a good luck charm that he wears. And yeah, that's something that Shinkai really, you know, works on establishing throughout the movie that red string of fate that connects them. It's it's in the opening sequence, it's in the um, tying of the hair. Because she quite literally rips off the bracelet that's on the back, like on her hair, and gives it to Taki when they meet. Um, But Taki doesn't know who she is back in the day. So yeah, it's it's quite an interesting kind of um, thing there, and moving from you know bracelets, there's a super significant like the bracelet is like forms a line between two people, like it connects them, right? And then in the movie itself, lines are also really just important, and whether that is the trail of the the meteor that goes across the sky, that's a line that's important, or whether it's the shots of the doors opening and closing, and I think those shots are super significant because they hint at a connection from inside to outside. Because what is a door at the end of the day, right? It takes you somewhere on the inside to the outside, unless it's in like an anywhere door by door I'm on, in which case it's just, well, it is what it is. But like a traditional door takes you from the inside to the outside. And what's interesting is that they both wake up in each other's houses, right, whenever they exchange bodies. And from that, like, they're, they're technically inside. And then they go out into the, uh, the the world through different doors. And every time we see the doors open, it's, it's signaling a change in environment. It's signaling a change in thought process. It's signaling a change in atmosphere. And it's also signaling a change in the way... The human, like, the, the the way the characters interact with the people around them. Like, at home, they're, like, very casual, very happy. Um, and then, like, outside, suddenly, there's, like, the perception aspect that comes into it. Like, how people perceive you. Um, the moment you step out of the bedroom, actually. Like, a bedroom is almost considered, like, a private space um, in this movie. The moment you step out of the bedroom, you're suddenly bombarded by society and its perceptions and its biases and the things that it pushes on you. And that's and that's again tying back to the masculine and feminine like kind of trope that the movie plays on, right? Because at the on the inside, Taki when Mitsuha's inside is technically feminine, in quotes. And she worry, he, he starts worrying about that perception. He's like, Why are you messing with my relationships and why are you doing this and that? And when Taki's acting very masculine and Mitsu masculine in quotes, obviously in Mitsuha's body, um, she gets worried about, you know, how people start perceiving her at school because she's like the shy girl that just works hard, um, and is the son of, and is the daughter of a politician. So suddenly, like when you step at like those door shots, kind of imply that the otherworldly perceptions are now going to be a problem. And what's really what's really um, interesting is that there is that one moment in um, the movie when the subway doors open. Or like the train line doors open or the train doors essentially sorry I'd to say that three times for no reason but when the train doors open you realize that even in that moment you go from this train where nobody cares who you are in a train everybody's doing their own thing in the train always in the movie anyway and and that's true for a lot of things in like the real world too nobody cares who you are on a mode like tr- a motorization like a train everybody wants to go from point A to point B but it's that journey from point A to point B that is also super important because you get time to reflect within that. You experience conflict within yourself. You have to live with your thoughts. You have to, you know, connect with who you are as a person. And then what's always another like beautiful thing that I n- I'm now noticing Shinkai did was the first time Taki and Mitsu I ever met in person rather than exchanging bodies was within a train. And that was something that, really struck me as like you know like a beautiful circling to everything because at the in the end of the movie they see each other go by but on different trains but there's that spark five years even five years later they're like like they ask each other their name it's like like do i know you um or like i feel like i know you and then they ask each other their name and the movie ends there and such a beautiful it's like a fucking annoying ending but it's like it's still a good ending um yeah so when Mitsuataki meet on a train there's that moment where Taki doesn't pay attention to Mitsuha because he he does not yet know who she is. Um, And she's conflicted because she's like, what do I do? I thought he would know who I am. Does he not remember me? Has he forgotten me? And that kind of brings out these, the insecurities that, you know, um, women in, (coughs) I'm sorry, the insecurities that women in, you know, heterosexual relationships can have sometimes. I'm speaking exclusively for this movie. And it kind of brings out, like, oh, like, because it's, like, a very, like, an innocent thing that she tries to do. Like, she goes to Tokyo to find Taki, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. Like, you don't know where he lives. You just know what he looks like. And you also have never actually, like, interacted with him, almost, Um, on, like, an actual basis. So you don't know what you're going to say to him. And it's, it's, like, almost this innocence of a first date and all the insecurities that, you know, Mitsuha has come out um and it's important to and it's important to realize those uh, insecurities because they don't come from within her they're all kind of orchestrated around what society like has put on her like you know she has to worry about how she looks she has to worry about you know what Taki will think of her but at the end of the day if she was just who she was in that moment she could have had a genuine connect and you know I mean, obviously she went with, like, you know, presumptions that he would know who she is. But she left an essence of herself behind to him, which was the cord. The braided cord that she hands off while she walks off the train. And she, like, gives it to him. And then he keeps that forever as, like, a good luck charm. She left a part of him, a part of her, with him. And that kind of speaks to basic human interaction, I think, in terms of what Shinkai thinks it is. Because it's just... You know, the people you like people leave things behind, whether that's metaphoric, whether that's like emotional or physical, but people leave things behind and people come and go and it's those things that they leave behind that hold a certain value. And that's what connects us to them, you know, the memories that you have. And that's important because memories again are an important theme in this movie. Like the memories that you have of the person are what at the end of the day keep that like, you know, keep keep that person alive for you. Almost, but yeah, that's that's a lot of things that, like, you know, that the movie kind of dives into constantly, and it kind of intertwines all these things. Pun not intended about the bread cord, but um, it intertwines all these themes, and it you know uses the sub like the train as a way to like talk like have this moment of internal reflection. And I'm someone who also takes the subway, so I kind of understand. Um, like this idea of being in a train alone with your thoughts, not interacting with anybody there because you're just going from point A to point B. That journey from point A to point B is where I get to sit and reflect as who I am as a person. I think it's very important to, you know, absorb the journey as much as it is to absorb the destination. Um, And yeah, then the one of the more repeated lines that, kind of ties into the end of the movie and the start of the movie um, because I think it's the opening line almost is um, Taki thinks that he's always searching for something or someone Um, and that metaphorically just means purpose and that's what humans do a lot they search for their purpose like what is my purpose in life what am I supposed to do what am I supposed to you know accomplish in this world that I'm in or like this with this one life that I have. And I think what Shinkai kind of implies with it is you have to find your own purpose. It's not a it's not a purpose that's completely given to you. Your purpose comes from the things that you experience in your life and the things you w- willingly want to go experience in your life, the things you choose to seek out as part of your experience would, are what define your purpose. Because it wasn't Taki's... F- Almost, it wasn't Taki's job to protect, you know, Itamori. He just was the one dude that, you know, things tied together with. Because, you know, Mitsuha went back and, you know, if Mitsuha hadn't gone to Tokyo, there would have been no connection ever. Yeah, Mitsuha went back to Tokyo. And she left a part of him behind that drove him to find her in the future. And that kind of connected everything back. So... Yeah, that searching for something or someone is the purpose and in in this case of course like the romance ties in by like implying that Taki is always searching for Mitsuha but at the end of the day what he's searching for is a purpose because he doesn't feel like any of the jobs that he wants to apply to have any merit to them um, even Mitsuha feels very like purposeless as she just kind of goes through the monotonous life in the hometown of Itomori, and then she wants to come to the city like that's her purpose and she then because she lives the city life through Taki she also like feels fulfilled in a way and it kind of brings that back whereas Taki looks for more like a purpose where that's more fulfilling and more you know something that he doesn't have yeah and the with the, and then that kind of like the being able to find your purpose is like the main kind of takeaway from this movie like, what is your purpose? And that's not something you have to decide today or tomorrow or in a week or, in, you know, ever. It's just something that you should strive to almost do. Like, what, what am I here for? Why am I, this is going to get real deep. Uh, what am I here for? Like, why am I, you know, doing the things that I want to do? For me, so far, what I've discovered, my purpose is to, you know, just experience things. And I think that sounds very vague, but personally, I'm someone who just wants to experience things. And that comes from, you know, within my username itself, like Manny tries, like that uh, Manny tries things like Manny just wants to try different things. And that's why the design field was really appealing to me because it felt almost freeing in a way where I could try different things out and never feel bogged down by, you know, what constraints. Obviously, there are constraints to the design world, but, you know, those are always evolving and always changing and I have that kind of like drive to be you know better and different um and that yeah that that kind of purpose is what i currently think is my purpose and that could change like you know tomorrow with like a life-changing experience that taki has whereas he you know he realizes that he's lost mitsuha and his entire purpose in the world changes um obviously i'm not saying i'm taki i'm just saying like yeah that's just some of those things. And I think, yeah, the next takeaway that of kind of really implies towards is just embracing tradition. I think that's something that a lot of people don't do. Embr- embracing your roots even, not even just your tradition, just embracing your roots. Like, you are the culmination of everything that's happened in the past. Like, those events have led to your birth and your place in this world. So understand them. Understand what series of events led to you. And, you know, understand... What in the past makes you who you are today, and how people perceive that, and if that's wrong, work to change the perception. And obviously, it's even in your and and it's in the other people's job to also work on those biases and also work on those changes. But you also have to strive for those changes. Yeah, and then when I talk about that, like it's kind of more, you know, when, yeah, understanding your roots is important. Like for me personally, I am Sikh, but I don't. Um, like, that just sounds like Sikh about, I'm a Sikh, but like, I'm not specifically like, you know, I don't follow the religion, but I do know most things about it. And I think that's super important. Like that defines who I am. Like I may not practice the religion, but I do know most things that go into it, how people, how people in India perceive me versus how people outside in the world perceive those traditions. Um, what specific things about me um, come from, you know, my religion and the teachings that my mother has given me versus what comes from the teachings that my father has given me who's more on the modern side um and you know you'll you'll notice like i'm i had the modern versus tradition modernity versus tradition conflict at home sometimes where you know my dad's more modern when it comes to things and that's just how he's grown up and the things that he's experienced in his life because he worked in like the tech world and he was exposed to a more modern world the police is outside vibe um my mother was more, you know, traditional. She still practices and prays to God um, that is part of our, like, pra- praise to the God that is part of our religion. And both of those people, you know, my mother and my father are, you know, good people. Like, they're all, they're both living um, healthy lives. Um, they, you know, they're, they're, they've taught me d- different things, but they have both taught me things that are important. And, yeah, I don't, when I say, like, you know, understanding your roots doesn't just mean understanding, like, you know, like your ancestors. Like you just understand your parents. Start there. Start. Understand the teachings that they've given you and how those came about because they they experienced specific things in their life that led to them teaching certain things to their kids. And that's just, you know, that's just, you know, the nature of it. They reflected on the things that happened and that's why they taught you specific things in life. Um, you don't have to take those things to face value, obviously, but you just have to understand where they came from and you don't have to empathize or sympathize with it, but just knowing those things can help you come to terms with who you are as a person and who you want to be and what your purpose might be even yeah. yeah and then that kind of leads into being more open to change because once you understand tradition you'll understand how things have changed so far and going through that like you know understanding the changes that have happened will lead you to understanding the different things that you need to change about yourself maybe or about the things around you, or about the people around you, to, you know, fulfill your purpose. And I think it's also important to just be open to the change that society is going through. Like, we're, we're society is progressing at a rapid rate, right? Um, like, the internet is blown up, and within, like, 22 years, we've seen more progress in, in society than we have in, like, in the last 100 years. Like, 100 years before that, so... It's just one of those things that you have to kind of understand. Like, society will change no matter. Society's not waiting for anybody, okay? Like, the masses aren't waiting for anybody, any, any, any individual. So you have to be open to those changes and understand the things that are changing and find where you fit into those changes. And if you don't fit into those changes, how can you fit in? Should you fit in? Should you educate yourself about something to, to understand it better? Will that help you? Accept the change that's happening in this world. You know, it's one of those things by... That... Shinkai kind of really takes... Like a a hold of in the movie. Because... Like the grandma isn't really open to change... When it comes to... um, She's the embodiment of tradition in the movie. Essentially. And culture. um, And like history. So... She isn't really that open to change... Because she... Like hates the father for leaving the, the family name and I think that's also fine like I think she's she's entitled to that opinion um but when she's like told to like you know move or like figure something new out um or even like that, that kind of reflects in Mitsuha's thinking like oh I could never you know fit into like a city okay I just I just I just don't belong there but like you know when they actually end up there did they do just fine so yeah I think those kind of yeah that kind of Leads to like my final point for this, like today's podcast, which is just being able to grasp second chances by the base, like and holding on to them as tight as possible because second chances are rare and not everybody gets them. And I think if you're getting a second chance, do not take that shit for granted. And that's what the movie teaches you, you know. Taki gets one chance to go back to Mitsuha's body and make a change in history to. For the better of people that are in the town of Itamori. and that's that's what's important. You take you you just take those second chances, you treasure them, and you work with them, because you'll fuck up, you will, and that's what happens to you know Taki and Mitsuha. Like they fuck up, they get lost in the moment, they don't realize that they're you know three years apart um, in time, and. It, he never realizes that, you know, that town never actually it doesn't exist anymore. There was like a whole disaster three years ago that he's completely forgotten about because he was a child, you know, um, when that happened. So it's crazy just to kind of understand that he's given a second chance and he does the most with it. He saves her life and he lets go because they don't remember each other's names after that. And that's what, like, the importance of a name is also really important in the movie, which I think I'm going to do another whole episode about, like, the importance of names. Um, and, yeah, that's that's kind of, you know, what, what Shinkai wants us to kind of feel to the movie. That's my, at least what I felt um, thinking while watching the movie. So I hope you can feel the same or even more. So feel free to reach out on Twitter um, and I can, you know, discuss this movie with you because I love this movie. Um, And, yeah, I want you to... And if you haven't seen the movie and you've made it this far in the podcast, sorry that I ruined the whole thing. But, sorry for the yawn, it is worth watching for sure. I think it's something that everybody should see. Everybody should take their time out to, you know, view with anybody. I don't think it's something you should even watch alone. Watch it with people and see their reactions, see the reflections, reflect on the movie. Because it is is a work of art that has... It takes the romance guy-like girl trope and... Puts a twist on it that that makes you realize that the world is not centered around you, and that is something important to realize. That's another takeaway. Like the world isn't centered around you. Things will happen that are out of your control. It's just what you can do to make the best of them. That's what's you know the world isn't centered around a single like that's yeah that you have to drop that selfishness um, when you and you have to you have to kind of you know. Reflect on why you're selfish and what leads to those thoughts and what leads to that kind of experience in life. Yeah, sorry, that got real deep, but thanks for listening in for today's podcast. I think this is just one of those rambles that I love about um, the different media that I consume. So, yeah, I'll do more of these. I'll probably talk more about different things rather than just um, anime, but for now... Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you all made it to the very end. If you did, that is fantastic. If you didn't, that's also all right. Um, But, yeah, take care of yourself. Stay hydrated. Eat well. um, And remember, if you get a second chance, take that shit and, you know, treasure the fuck out of it because there's not a lot of them in the world. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.